ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another exciting edition of Monday Motivation. Hi everyone, this is Rabbi Garfinkel in Chicago with a live studio audience. Oh yeah, breaking the microphone over here. It is exciting, yes. What an exciting week we have upcoming. Yes, most of America, all of America will be celebrating Thanksgiving, yes. And I think the podcast we are gonna share with you will definitely touch on those themes. In fact, we have a fun fact for you. I did a little bit of research. Now, for those of you who may not make the connection. Clearly, the Puritans, the pilgrims, who were steeped in the Bible. Uh, by the way, I <laughs> would hope that American Jews today know the Bible the way the Puritans know it. But that is a discussion for a different time. Uh, but anyway, uh, clearly, the Puritans were influenced deeply by the biblical holidays, and one of them was Sukkot. Sukkot is the Harvest Festival. This is when we give thanks to God for all of the bounty that uh, God gives us. And so therefore, it is uh, very clear of, of that connection. Now, in my research, I saw something actually really cool. And I'd like to share it with you. The Pilgrim Leader, drumroll please. Yes, William Bradford. Of course, who would later become the governor of Plymouth Colony, of course, had a copy of the Bible on the Mayflower. Of course, he was a he was a Bible thumping Christian. So his edition of the Bible had handwritten notes that a Puritan scholar named Henry Ainsworth, good old Henry, had put in the margins. And Ainsworth had written out a list of four events, four happenings that require a special prayer of thanksgiving to God. And in the side of the Bible of William Bradford, written by Henry Ainsworth, here were the four conditions. The sick person who is healed, a prisoner who is released out of his, his being in prison, released from jail, those that go down to the sea, basically making a sea journey and coming up to land, and those journeying through a desert or through a wayfaring men when they come through to inhabited land. Now, uh, for those of you who are listening, who have a little bit of traditional Jewish learning under your belts, that should ring very familiar because, in fact, where did he get it from? He got it from Maimonides. He got it from the Rambam. He got it from Maimonides, which basically says that in his Mishnah Torah, which was his compendium of 14 volumes of basically all of Jewish law, every jot and tittle of Jewish law, he explains that back in the times of the temple, there were four times where we would bring a korban toda, a thanksgiving offering that we find in Leviticus chapter 7, verses 12 through 16, and the four occasions where we had to bring a special thanksgiving offering in the temple was, in fact these exact four instances. And it says that Ainsworth 
had copied over an English version of Maimonides' Mishnah Torah, specifically the laws of giving thanks. And that is what was in William Bradford's Bible. And so therefore, he at least hit one out of the four. He had crossed, right, crossed the sea and reached the new land and felt it was appropriate to give thanksgiving. I'm sure there were people that were sick and and were healed, and maybe they even considered themselves prisoners who released. And in terms of their journeys, obviously uh, starting out in a in a in a new country, possibly they even considered that a qualification. So uh, says uh, this article that it could in fact be that that was the basis of Thanksgiving that was based on Maimonides, which is based on the Talmud, which is based on the verses in Leviticus. All right, really, really cool stuff. So whatever you're doing for Thanksgiving, um, it is uh, it really is our MO as Jews to thank and to give thanks. In fact, it's our name, our name, our name are, are Jews, Yehudim. Yehudim, that's uh, Yehudim, comes the word Yehuda. Yehuda was the fourth son of Leah. And Leah, each of, there were four matriarchs, and uh, four matriarchs of, of Jacob, four matriarchs, but Jacob was, had to, was to have four wives. And each of them was to have three sons to make the 12 tribes. When Leah got her fourth son, she realized that she was blessed even more. She was given more than what she was expecting. And therefore she says, Hapam Ode Es Hashem. This now I'm really going to thank Hashem. Because God, I'm going to thank God because I got more than what I was expecting. And I am going to call him Yehuda, which means Lahodot. And we've said here before, Lahodot means not only to thank, but it means to recognize, to mode. To moda ala emes, to admit to the truth, because that's really the basis and the source of all giving thanks is recognizing the good that others do for you. Obviously, the Almighty and others as well. And so, therefore, if you want to know what want to know what is our mojo as Jews, as Yehudim, what is Yehudim? Yahadut is Judaism. They're Jews. We're thankers. We're thankers. We're thankers who recognize the Almighty. We recognize that all the good in our lives comes from the Almighty. From the Almighty, and therefore, thanking is not a one-time-a-year thing. It's every day. We have blessings in the morning that we thank God for even the basic functions of our lives. We have the bathroom blessing, the Asher Yatsar, and. And after using the bathroom, we have a beautiful, beautiful blessing, thanking God that if one pipe was burst or one pipe were um, were were closed, we could not stand before the Almighty and wishing a, a full recovery, a few Project 16 students in particular, um, wishing them a full, full, full recovery um, for their illnesses and for all of our loved ones. Okay, and so that is who we are. We are thankers. As you're going into your Thanksgiving celebrations with your kosher turkey and no milk products with the turkey, right? Right, right, everyone? Okay, Um, that we should know that this is not just a one-off deal. This is who we are as Jews. Okay, and this little Thanksgiving introduction uh, beautifully transitions into what we wanted to talk about today, which is 
the uh, a story of a small kindness with a big impact. And here's the background. The background goes a little something like this. So in this last week's Torah portion, Abraham was sending his trusted servant Eliezer out back to the old country. Go to back to the old country. Find a nice wife for my son Yitzhak. We can't have any of the girls around here, the uncouth. They don't got good character. Go back. Now, Avram did not sound like a bubby from New York, but I don't know. Maybe I just felt that that sounded right. Anyway, so he sends Eliezer out and he makes Eliezer promise in the name of God of heaven and earth that he will not take a, a woman from the local Canaanites. And then Eliezer says, okay, great. I, he swears. And then he says, well, wait a minute. Maybe when I go over there, the woman from, you know, back in your hometown, back in Babylonia, she won't want to come back. So should I take Isaac back over there? And Avram said, no, 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 no. Do not take Isaac back there. Do not take Yitzhak back there. Hashem, who is the God of heaven, who took me from the house of my father and land of my birth, he said, no, 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 you're going to stay here. Isaac's going to stay over here. Do not take my son Isaac back. Now, the commentators, Rashi in particular, they point out that in verse 3, when, when Abraham makes Eliezer swear not to take from the locals, he says that you sh he makes him swear in the name of God of heaven and earth. Okay, but later on, just a few verses later, when he's recounting that he should not take Isaac back there, when he says, Shem, the God of the heaven, he's recalling back in the back in the olden days, who took me from the house of my father and land of my birth. He's recounting the olden days. He's only mentions as Hashem, God of heaven, but not God of earth. So what's going on in now, right at the time that he's speaking to Eliezer, it's the God of heaven and the earth. But when he's recalling way back then, when he first started out, he was only called, he only called God the God of heaven. And Rashi says something unbelievable. He says that really, when I started out, God was not commonly spoken about in the mouths of people. He was not a concept that was on people's radar. It wasn't even on people's Wikipedia. It was not trending. It wasn't on people's social media. God was not, it wasn't that God wasn't popular. God wasn't known. So way back when Avram started his career, it was just the God of heaven. He was a, way up in heaven. He had nothing to do with life on earth, and then after Avram and Sarah took the world by storm and started preaching, they started teaching the word of the Almighty of God. And then God's name was starting to trend and people realized that animals, that, excuse me, that human sacrifice was not okay and that, that idolatry was not okay and that stealing and being corrupt was not okay. And that was all because God, because Avraham and Sarah made God's name common among people and his ideas and his values. And so literally, Avraham and Sarah made God not just the God of heaven. They transitioned him 
from the God of heaven to the God of earth. And ladies and gentlemen, we have a mini synopsis of the mission of the Jewish people on this earth, which is very clearly to make God the God not only of heaven, but the God of earth, to bring godliness into our lives, to bring godliness to our lives and to others, to build homes of holiness, of of, of purity, of absolute connection that will people look, people look, you'll come into your home and say, wow, there's something special here. They'll see your children and say, wow, these children aren't just regular. There's something special about them. They're plugged into higher values and that what we stand for and what we do, how we do business and how we interact with people in every situation will be infused and guided by godliness. That is the mission statement of the Jewish people, to make God not only the God of heaven, but the God of heaven and of earth. And I want to tell you one story, a story of a small kindness, but with a big impact. And this story was told to me on Friday, this past Friday by Rav Yitzhak Shuren, is a Rosh Hashiva of Chappelle's yeshiva in Israel, in Yerushalayim, in Medrash Rachel, and a, 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 a holy Jew, great, great, great person. It was an honor to have him in my home. And he told me the following story. And the following story, I, I'm going to do my best to convey what a big deal it is. Um, but there is a place called Lakewood, New Jersey, which currently has about 120,000 Jews there. And it basically is the epicenter of Judaism in America, of Torah study and Torah practice in America and quite possibly the world. Although we always give the nod to Jerusalem. Okay. And so that's a bit of background information you need to appreciate the greatness of this story. Okay. And this story starts in the 1950s when Rabbi Mordechai Shapiro, who, um, eventually moved to Florida, and his son today, Rabbi Ephraim Shapiro, is in Florida, um, doing great things for the Jewish people there. But his father, Rabbi Mordechai Shapiro, was studying in Lakewood Yeshiva towards its founding when Rabbi Aaron Cutler, Rabbi Aaron Cutler, who was the founder of Lakewood Yeshiva, started just in this backwater place in New Jersey, this, you know, milking, you know, town, and uh, basically, eventually, today, has turned into one of the greatest centers of Jewish living in the world. So in the 1950s, when there were just a few Jews over there, Rav Aaron sent this Rabbi Mordechai Shapiro to Israel to study by Rav Aaron Cutler's father-in-law, Rav Isser Zalman Meltzer. Okay, there's a lot of Jewish names here, a lot of rabbis, but just trust me, the story's awesome. Rav Isser Zalman Meltzer was obviously one of the great rabbis of Israel at the time. And so Rav Mordechai Shapiro is there. He's studying, have a great time. He says, you know what? I want to go away. I want to check out what it's like in Shabbos in Tel Aviv. Now, Tel Aviv in 1950s was very different from the Tel Aviv today. But that's for another schmooze, for another time. And so he was on Tel Aviv on Dizengoff Street. And he sees a very interesting man selling items. He's in a makulet, which is a little little kiosk. And he's learning Torah while he's while he's selling these things. He doesn't even look up. He just says, you know, people put the money in. He's not even looking up. He's focused on his learning. And 
and he would only look up to give change. Now, someone came to him and said, you know, can I buy, buy cigarettes? He said, no, 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 it's after noontime, and it's right before Shabbos. I'm not selling cigarettes. Interesting, it's not necessarily Jewish law to do that, but he felt it was important. He didn't want to sell cigarettes that eventually might be smoked on Shabbos, and that was his own personal thing. He didn't sell cigarettes afternoon. So, so Mordechai Shapiro said, this is very interesting. What This is like a unique guy. i got to go over to this man. They start talking. And it turns out that this man's name, this person selling tchotchkes on Dizengoff and Tel Aviv, his name was Rav Noach Oxengrund. Try that out for size. Rav Noach Oxengrund, a very holy Jew. And they start talking, and Rav Noach asked Mordechai, where are you learning? And he said, well, really, I'm from Lakewood, and I'm learning by Rav Arn Cutler. And Rav Noach Oxengrund stroked his beard, and he said, you know something? I'm the one who sent him to the Slabodka Yeshiva. Now, w- what does this mean? First of all, Slabodka Yeshiva, I hate to say this, <laughs> but it's like the Harvard of Yeshivas. Only so you understand. But the Slabodka Yeshiva then was much greater than Harvard ever was. And sorry, those people want to discuss with me why that's true. The level of intellectual rigor was un believable and unmatched. It was the the elite yeshiva in all of Europe. And it's known that the Sabadka yeshiva produced some of the greatest rabbis that really produced Torah Judaism in America and around the world. And so Mordecai Shapiro is is looking at this man who's selling tchotchkes and it's a huge set of Aaron, the one who founded the Lakewood yeshiva to Sabadka. Okay, so he explained. He explained he said there was another rabbi named Ruben Grzovsky, who was the Rosh Yeshiva of Torah Vadas in New York, an amazing yeshiva over there. And when he was a student in this Slabodki yeshiva, and the head of the Slabodki yeshiva, Rav Nassim Svivinkel, oh, so many rabbis. I will have to do a chart for you guys. Okay, but Rav Nassim Svivinkel, the altar of Slabodka, one of the great rabbis in the past few hundred years, he would say to his students, go out when you go home for the break, for the semester break, see who's in your hometown and maybe there'll be some very qualified students to go to yeshiva. And that's what happened. So Ruben Grzowski went back to his hometown of Minsk. He went to Minsk. And what happened? He met these two amazing geniuses, geniuses of Torah. They're only about 15 years old. And even though Sabatka only really took uh, Yeshiva Bachar's at age 18, he said, Rav Ruben Gazaf said, I got to get these guys. They're just unbelievable. They're going to be Torah giants. And so he went to their parents who weren't so excited about this. Learning full time in Yeshiva was not necessarily what was on parents' minds, um, you know, in the early, early parts of the 20th century. And nevertheless, he convinced them and they said, yes, we'll send him. But what? We don't have money. So he went, and he says, "If you can find the money for the for the train tickets, then you can have them. You can they'll go. We give you a blessing." So he didn't know what to do. So he went to the richest man in town, who was, of course, the butcher. He went to the butcher, <laughs> and he went to the butcher, and he explained that these two young geniuses have to go to yeshiva. They're going to change the Jewish world. And the butcher opened up the cash register, and he was debating back and forth, back and forth. 
And with one fell scoop of his hand, he picked up the money and he gave it to Rev. Reuven Grzovsky. And he said, here are, here is the money for the tickets. And with that, Rev. Aaron Cutler and Rev. Yaakov Kamenetsky, who eventually became one of the great Rosh Hashiva, the Torah Vadas, got their tickets to Slobodka Yeshiva. And this butcher, this butcher eventually made it from Minsk to Dizengoff Street. This Rav Noach Oxengrund was that very person. He was the butcher back in, in Minsk. And now he was the one who had sent Rav Arn Cutler to Yeshiva and Rav Yaakov Kamenetsky. Now it's hard for me to explain. It's like literally the person who founded Google, the person who founded the most, the, the largest institutions of Torah learning in the world. And this man, imagine his decision splits. Should I do it? Should I not? Should I do it? Should I not? And he said, yes, I'm going to do it. And he scooped out the money. And with that small act, sent, sent forth forces and a cascade effect that is impacting the Jewish people beyond belief from now, God willing, to the Messiah. And guess what? We all have that ability. We all have that ability. One small kindness. We have no idea the ripple effect, the reverberations, the impact that we can have. We think that our small actions are a little bit. No, our actions are massive, right? A little boy pulls the fire, the fire bell. He doesn't know what it is. And all of a sudden, you know, fire trucks come running around. Never did he dream that he would have such a big impact. So too, we think we're nothing. We are everything. And when we use our free will for even the smallest acts of kindness, great, great, great things happen. So this week, may we be grateful Jews and may we focus and channel our greatness, our gratefulness into becoming givers to have small acts of kindness that will have a big impact. God bless. And we'll see you next week right here on Money Motivation. <laughs>